Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, P.K. Subban was in tears a few minutes ago. A pregame video welcoming back, welcoming him back to Montreal. First time he's playing in Montreal as a Nashville Predator. Keeping an eye on this game tonight. Five minutes left in the first period. It is scoreless. Other NHL action. Devils and Capitals early in the second period. No score. Same situation for the Rangers and the Bruins. The Panthers and the Flyers. And the Wild and the Blue Jackets. Sabres lead the Coyotes 2-1. That's early in the second period. 1-0 lead for the Senators over the Avalanche. Alex Burrows with the goal, his 10th of the season. That's with five minutes left in the first. Coming up later tonight, the New York Islanders visit the Dallas Stars. The Maple Leafs play the Kings. That'll be an interesting matchup. And the Canucks take on the Sharks. San Jose five points ahead of the Oilers for first place in the Pacific Division. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Jed. It is 607. You are welcome to participate as well by calling 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. The email is insidesports at 630ched.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. So the Oilers back to practice today. They had yesterday off from a player standpoint. Obviously, uh, Peter Shirelli uh, working with the trade deadline, but the players were off back at, uh, on the ice today. A long practice today. I mean, they usually have a longer practice after uh, having an off day and getting back into it, but this one was uh, well over an hour. Uh, a lot going on. Pretty cool moment. They they did a drill at the end. Uh, Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the window. They've done this a couple times this year. They'll mm. everybody will line up on the far blue line okay. from where the goaltender is, right? And they put a bunch of pucks around center ice, and they go in numerical order with a penalty shot. So ah, Secker goes yes. first, all the way up to McDavid at ninety seven. Mm-hmm. If the guy scores, then the next guy goes. Mm-hmm. If the guy does not score, the players on that far blue line have to skate towards the other end, toward the face-off dot and back to the blue line. So not far, but a yeah. little, little bit of a back and forth. Huh. And if you do it over and over again, it wears you out a little bit. So uh, a quick note from that, I, I, you, you wonder if guys are going to do their shootout moves. Right. Leon Dreisaitl came in like he was going to do his regular move, mm-hmm. you know, towards the left side a little bit, and he's he shot low five hole on goaltenders this year. Yeah. He came in at that angle, but then pulled it across and went backhand shelf for a goal. Right. Mark Letestu came in on the offs on his off wing, so towards his left, mm-hmm. and uh, you know how he pulls the puck into the middle and tries to get the quick shot off high. Started off at that angle, but yeah. then came a little sharper into the middle and just drilled a slap shot high blocker yeah. to, to score there. So I thought that was interesting. I believe, uh, I don't think McDavid scored. I think mm. Nugent Hopkins or Puglia hit the post. But anyway, oh, yeah, uh, so then there, yeah. was, there was a young guy named Marcus at practice today, mm. and he was there with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Oh, right on. So he got to watch practice, and then he got to go onto the ice at the end of practice. So they did this cool. drill 
And then uh, Marcus came out onto the ice, just a little guy. And uh, Todd McClellan introduced him to the team, and he got mm-hmm. the stick taps. And he's like, okay. Then Todd said, okay, which goalie do you want to shoot on? Cam Talbot. And, and, and so Marcus went in on his penalty shot. And I, I have video of this on, on my Twitter account. You mm. can find it earlier today. And, I, you know, you, you see this a few times a year or, you know, a kid gets to do something like this at practice. It's pretty cool. In my experience seeing these, mm. and sometimes when you see video, most of the youngsters try to deke. Yeah. Right? And, and, you, and there are some minor hockey players that often get to participate in the Oilers' annual skills competition. Mm-hmm. They're usually a, a peewee or bantam, so they're a little older than, than Marcus, who went mm. today. So, and we, we know that the, uh, the Oilers' goaltender will give the youngster a, the best possible opportunity to score, mm-hmm. shall we say. Yeah. And if, if, the, if the kid deeks... Then if he deeks, you know, one direction, Cam Talbot can go in that direction and just yeah. not bother going back in yeah, the other direction. Exactly. And the end, the youngster gets a goal. Well, Marcus, this was great. He goes flying in there, and he shoots from just outside the hash marks, like right. full, full wrist, full wrist shot. So it caught me by surprise that it was uh, it was able to elude Cam Talbot. So that was a pretty cool moment. Wow! Uh, again, I got the video on my my uh, Twitter account. And then he and then. The Oilers practice, and then when pra- the coach part of practice ends, Todd McClellan always says, on your own, and he leaves the ice, and the players can stay out there for as long oh, as they want to work on individual yeah. skills or, or in groups or whatever. So sometimes right. guys stay out for a while, sometimes they, they get off, whatever. Mm-hmm. But Marcus got to stay out and do the on-your-own stuff, so he got to take a few more shots on uh, on Camp Talbot. So that was cool. That was pretty cool. That was a, that was a, that was a neat moment, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But David DeHarnay was, uh, was at practice today. He led the stretch. The new guy, uh, as uh, as he gets out there, he was on. Here were the lines today: McDavid with Maroon and Leon Draisaitl, as expected. Nugent Hopkins with Lucic and Eberle. So it was Deharnay between Slepyshev and Cassian. Latestu centered Hendricks and Jujarkera. The extra guys rotating in were Pouliot, Pakarinen, and Kajula. So 15 forwards out on the ice. Just 6D. No Chris Russell today. Likely a maintenance day, but uh, we'll see if he's back out there tomorrow. So DeHarnay, as we expected, steps in. Third line center. Todd McClellan uh, commenting on DeHarnay after practice. He's a player that um, has played a lot of games in a... uh, in an environment that can be stressful, a uh, fishbowl-type environment. He's been in the playoffs and uh, had some success and failed as a team, not as an individual. Um, so he brings that to, to our locker room. We don't have a lot of that. And um, maybe I'm putting, you know, looking too far down the road. We should be talking about the, uh, the push to get in, and we need him for that as well. And, and then he's a utility guy up front. He has the ability to, to, uh, to play... Um, different special teams and and uh, play that center ice role. He, he In the past, he's been successful in the face-off circle. He hasn't had as many goals at it this year. But I think once he uh, he feels comfortable and he gets to know his surroundings, his teammates, uh, more about that experience will come out. And um, we'll be able to ask him questions as well. How did you handle this situation in Montreal? What did you guys do here? You know, I, I got thinking about some stuff today with, with DeHarnay and... Um what it's hoped he will add to the team. And first of all, you know, 
I know from doing the show yesterday, some people like the trade, some people don't. I think a lot of people are like, okay, wait and see. Hopefully it's kind of a no-risk deal if he works out great. If not, you know, you gave up a depth defenseman for him and you have other guys who could fill in for DeHarnay if it doesn't go well. I will say this about the DeHarnay edition. It's a guy who comes to town being asked to fill a specific role uh, not do anything too out of his realm. In, in the past, he's been a point producer. He, he's not anymore. Um, I mean, I think he can make plays and he can pass. So hopefully he ha- is able to get, get pucks and, and be able to do that. But I, I think this is another example of, of Peter Shirelli sort of slotting guys in with realistic expectations and not asking them to play higher in the lineup or, or do things they're not capable of. Um, I mean, this is an organization in the past that wanted Mark Fain and Nikita Nikitin to be its number one pairing. Well, Mark Fain is now in the AHL, and Nikita Nikitin's not even in the NHL and, and certainly didn't have an impact on the Oilers when he played. David DeHarnay is not being asked to come in and play on the first line or run the power play. It, he's being asked to come in hopefully win some face-offs, hopefully play well in both ends of the ice, be a responsible player, and hopefully that rubs off on some other guys. Will he be able to accomplish that? Obviously, that's the question. No one no one can know that right now. But I think the, the expectations and the hope that are being put on him uh, are within reach. You know, he's not being, he's not being told to be out there, okay, you got to go uh, be on the first line, buddy. I know you haven't been on the first line for a couple of years, but uh, go do it. Go, boy. Run in the field, free. No, he's he's being asked to do a fairly specific job. And I think that is how, you know, I made a comment yesterday about Shirelli being able to see the big picture, and, and I do believe that. That, you know, he recognizes players' strengths, he recognizes their limitations, and, and asks them to perform within those limitations, you know? If you were if you were running a uh, a car repair company, right, and uh, you were taking applications, and you got a resume from a guy who has spent thirty years fixing transmissions, and he knows all the transmissions for all the makes and models and years of cars, and he's got good references, and everybody says this is this is a really good transmission guy. You, and then you hired that guy to fix brakes. Well, he might sort of be able to do it because he knows about cars, but that's not his specialty. And, and and I think that's one of the reasons why the team has been poor in the past. Guys have been asking to do things that weren't their specialty. I I, I think the the uh, I think the ask here of DeHarnay is is within reach and and I I do believe that he if he's unable to accomplish it okay then you go back to the lineup that you've been playing with most of the season. Uh I I was also check this Kellen with the Oilers moving towards hopefully clinching a playoff spot. I know some right. people don't like when I talk about that, but they're certainly on the right track. Uh I checked the Oilers playoff experience. The total roster, and I did not include Mark Fain in this because he's in the minors. So of the guys who practice today, the Oilers have a combined 342 playoff games under their belt. Right. Milan Lucic has 101 of those. 
Okay. <laughs> Almost a third. Benoit Pouillot <laughs> has 54. David DeHarnay, third most, with 38. In fact, Lucic, Pouillot, DeHarnay, Hendricks, Russell, Maroon, and Letestu. If you combine all those guys together, that's seven guys. Mm-hmm. The rest of the team only has 33 games of experience. Right. Yeah. So the playoff experience uh, is going to be interesting. And hopefully that DeHarnay, with his experience in these stressful situations, can help. And here's McClellan commenting. There's not a player in this locker room that's played in a playoff game with, with any of the teammates. Uh, we don't even have two from one team where they've played together, I believe. Um, so this is a brand new, clean experience for everybody. The teams that make the playoffs, there's 14, 15 guys that come back the next year and they've experienced it already. Management, uh, coaches, they've been able to go through it and see who, who really plays well and responds well, who, um, who doesn't show up, maybe who's intimidated for whatever factor in a playoff run, and they can make adjustments and changes. We're hoping that we get to experience that. Um, we will experience it in the push. Uh, to the playoffs, and we're hoping to take it further and and get in and uh, have a chance to evaluate. All right, that is Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. You'll hear from the new guy when we get back, David DeHarnay. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. So the next game for the Oilers is Saturday night. That's against Detroit. It's the start of the Oilers' eight-game homestand. Of course, it's on 630 Chet. 630 for the face-off show. 8 o'clock for the drop of the puck. Islanders next Tuesday. Pittsburgh next Friday. First three games of, uh, obviously, the Oilers' longest home game of the season. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on 630Ched. Of course, you can get more on 630Ched.com. David DeHarnay on the ice for the Oilers today. A couple of other uh, hockey notes, and we're going to have Kelly Rudy on between 630 and 7. I'll have to ask him about this uh, gentleman, Bob Miller. Long time, and I mean long time, play-by-play voice for the L.A. Kings. This is his 44th season, going to retire at the end of the year. He is 78, has had, unfortunately had some health issues over the last couple of years, but he's going to call a couple of more games at the end of the year. You've probably heard Bob Miller on this show and on Bob Stoffer's show. And, uh, yeah, great guy. Kelly Rudy will comment on that as we move along. So David DeHarnay took to the ice today. Newest Edmonton Oiler. Here is a collection of his comments after practice. Yeah, exciting. Uh, you know, uh, it's been a, a rough uh, past couple of uh, uh, days, but uh, I'm excited to be here. It's a fresh start, and uh, hopefully, I get the best out of it. I was a first uh, first liner, second liner, and now I'm okay with with that role. And uh, you know, if I can help uh, the team here wins, and uh, if that's the role I'm going to have, it's it's perfect. And uh, I can't wait. Uh, I don't talk too much, but uh, I talk with my play, and uh, I talk when I'm on the ice. So, uh, yeah, I I can bring that for sure on that team. All right, David DeHarnay, the newest member of the Edmonton Oilers. So um, this means, well, I think it makes it more likely that Leon Dreisaitl stays with Connor McDavid as his right winger. Maybe that would have happened anyway, but it just gives the Oilers more flexibility with another guy who can uh, play center. Todd McClellan asked about how he's going to use his centers. Having uh, a little more depth down the middle um, allows us 
to choose to keep uh, Leon up there. But um, if that line isn't going well, if our group isn't going well, if a team is uh, shutting down uh, a group of players, well, then Leon's going to go somewhere else and try and, and get a line going. Um, that's really what we're looking for. We're not just looking to keep Connor and Leon together all the time. We're looking for success. And um, Leon's been tremendous with it. He's been able to go all over the map, all over the board, and, and uh, find success with whoever he's playing with. I think that's a sign of a really good player. Um, Joe Pavelski was like that for us in San Jose for all those years. You could move them all over, and those lines had success. All right. Well, guys can be moved around. Certainly, uh, Dreisaitl, you know, when Kajula plays, he can go wing or center. Kara or Kara can go wing or center. DeHarnay could go uh, wing or center. So some flexibility. But McDavid and Leon, clearly the Oilers' best offensive duo. So I would expect them to be together at least for the foreseeable future. So the Oilers, that, that's the only change they made. I, I mean, the other trade was uh, a minor league trade, getting Justin Fontaine from the New York Rangers organization, giving up Taylor Beck and uh, Captain Connor McDavid commenting on a, a quiet trade deadline. Line for the order. Definitely nice to get that that uh, kind of reassurance from from the management group and, and the coaching staff, and um, you know, just for them to, to believe in our group, and, and uh, it definitely means a lot. So it's up to us now, and and um, to kind of finish it off. And McDavid, his thoughts on likely keeping Leon as a right winger. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, you know, I love playing with Leon. Honestly, he's uh, he's amazing out there. He plays uh, the game with such patience, and and you know makes the, the subtle plays that, that may go unnoticed, but you know out there they, they go they go a long way. So he's a tremendous player. You know, I think one of the most underrated players in the league. Honestly, you know, he doesn't get talked about too much, and um, you know, see what he does out there. It's, it's pretty cool. So Nashville play with a guy like that. It's uh, special. All right, coming up to the 6:30 news, Nashville. Netting a power play goal, Ryan Ellis with P.K. Subban drawing an assist in his return to Montreal. Preds up 1-0 on the Habs after the first. Your full scoreboard is underway, or is uh, on the way, and we'll check in with Kelly Rudy. His thoughts on the trade deadline. He's not a, not a very big fan of it. Not a very big fan of it. That's when we get back. Inside Sports on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. We'll have some comments from Mark Letestu later on in the show. Good to have you along for the ride this evening. It is 633 Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Let's check your NHL scoreboard. This is courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. The Devils and the Capitals along with the Rangers and the Bruins, are scoreless late in the second period. The Panthers lead the Flyers 1-0. Aaron Ekblad with his ninth of the season, shorthanded. That game is in the second period. The Sabres up 3-2 on the Coyotes. Jack Eichel has his 15th of the season. That's with about six and a half minutes left in the middle frame. Still no scoring between the Wild and the Blue Jackets. Columbus out shooting mini 23-12 to this point. Eight minutes left in the second frame. As I mentioned, Predators lead the Canadians at 1-0. P.K. Subban returning to Montreal. That's after one. Second period just starting in Ottawa. The Senators up 1-0 on the Avalanche. Alex Burrows with his 10th of the season. He was acquired from Vancouver a couple of days ago. Coming up later tonight, Vancouver at San Jose. Los Angeles hosts Toronto. And Dallas will play the New York Islanders. 
the uh, Oilers home to Detroit on Friday. Uh, I got to say, Kellen, we were uh, hopeful to have uh, Jay Onright on the show tonight, Canadian mm-hmm. broadcasting legend. Right. Uh, from Athabasca, Alberta, big fan of the community of Mournville because mm-hmm. he used to uh, buy liquor there as an underage human being. Yeah, what was what's going on? Because uh, I was expecting him. We were talked about it last night, and well, I looked at the rundown, and he's not there. Here's the deal. Uh, so Jay's coming to Edmonton tomorrow, actually. Okay. Um uh, he's. Uh, he, I believe he has a speaking engagement on Saturday. So the plan was he was going to come on the show this week, and then the news b- broke that he was done at Fox, right in the U.S. That contract's right. yeah. ending, not being renewed, and he's coming back. Him and Dan O'Toole to do a, the same type of show they were doing on TSN that made them insanely popular. The band is back together. So yeah, that was right. announced uh, yesterday, formally announced. I think we all had a pretty good idea it was going to happen. And he said, look, it's just it's too crazy. There's a lot going on, so we'll have to postpone it next week. So all I can tell you is we'll have Jay on right on uh, at some point in the future. Maybe next week? Maybe in 2027? I don't know. Stay tuned. But it's at some point he's coming on. So we'll just have to play clips from Jay's previous appearances on the show, like when he talked about his favorite Oilers player of all time. I just happen to have been a big Shajan Podine fan. Hey, I'm uh, I'm the Podine parent, so what do I want to name my kid? Sean. All right. Well, how about we spell it in a way that makes absolutely no sense to anyone on the planet? We'll put a J in there. What do you think? Perfect. We'll screw the kid's life up forever. Good thing he became an NHL player. It didn't affect him too much. Big fan of Shajan Podine. I mean, it's no Sedano Seeger, but it'll do, I guess. Ah... <laughs> <sighs> He is an unusual man. Uh, all right. Second period starting Montreal and Nashville. We will have Jay on right on the show. It's not like we're bumping him like uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon, that bit where he'd always pretend Damon was going to be on the show, and he wasn't. And then they would start bringing Damon on the show, and they wouldn't let him talk, right? Or they would end the show. Did you see? Weren't they doing little bits, Damon and yeah. Kimmel, at the Oscars? They were, yeah. I, I missed the first half of the show, but, but I saw one where Kimmel was walking down the aisle, and uh, Damon stuck out his foot, you know, to trip him. Something else happened. It's going to end up one day where Damon just ends up hosting Kimmel's show for an evening or something. Just I, blocks him out of the building or something. I, I believe, I, I read this online, and let's face it, there is a lot of fake news on the internet. But that the end of the Oscars was supposed to be Kimmel sitting next to Damon in the crowd. But then when the best picture kerfuffle happened... Kimmel had to run up on stage, and obviously the planned ending <laughs> didn't go off as didn't go off as planned. <laughs> Did you watch the end of the Oscars? Did you see uh, I've that? seen a video of it. Yeah, I've, I saw it like a couple days after it happened, and That's yeah, one of the craziest things I've ever seen live. Oh, absolutely! And I've seen some crazy things live. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Evansburg. <laughs> Kelly Rooney, former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with Hockey Night in Canada and the NHL on Rogers, joins us once a week on Inside Sports. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Reed. You? Doing quite well. Glad to see you weren't traded yesterday, buddy. Sticking around for another year? (laughs) Well, hopefully. I I don't know if some of my comments yesterday got me in trouble or not, so I'm kind of here on pins and needles. (laughs) No, I was working... 
while you were on air, so I didn't get to see uh, what you were talking about yesterday. I know a couple people kind of mentioned it to me. It, it was, uh, I mean, the trade deadline, it's become a little underwhelming in recent years with, you know, most of the big names will usually change teams, whether it's trade or free agency in the summer. So it uh, becomes a bit of an anticlimactic day. But how do you look at this, uh, this whole trade deadline thing that we have going on? Well, I'm glad that that's the case, but uh, not a lot of movement, because I just take it from a different point of view. Um, I take it uh, how the, the whole tone of trade deadline has changed over the last number of years. It was when I played, um, everybody was terrified of that, that day, especially if you've ever been traded before in your life. Then you always think that you're going to get traded in around the deadline or at any point, really. And then, I don't know, about 10 years ago, then uh, everybody started covering it more. And just the tone of it in the last uh, two years or so, just to me seems like it's taken the wrong kind of turn. And to me, it just seems like people are super excited. They're like hoping tons of people get traded. And the reason why I don't like it is because it upends uh, lives. It, It changes people i mean what how they are where they're going to live and and it uproots them it's really difficult and don't get me wrong i'm empathetic towards anybody that has to do that in whatever walk of life but i've lived it i know how terrible it is i know how disruptive it is i know how stressful it is and i know when i was traded from new york to la my wife was about three weeks uh, away from giving birth to our second daughter so you don't tell me that just because you're getting paid a little bit uh, more money than others that, that it's okay and that it's all fun and games and giggles and all that. It's very, very disruptive to people's lives. And in very few cases, the players want to get moved. In most cases, they're pretty comfortable where they're at and they want to stay. Well, most players did get to stay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a good. couple of guys wanted to go. Shattenkirk, I think, was fine going, and Aginla uh, yeah. obviously was. Did, did I should did that surprise you? Aginla winding up in L.A. I mean, they, if it's the last chance to win a cup, I mean, I know L.A.'s been a really strong franchise for several years, two cups, but they might not make the playoffs this year. I don't think they're going to, quite frankly. I don't know. I just watched them on, uh, what, two days ago, uh, Tuesday there here in Calgary, and i got to tell you, I really liked the way they played. Now, they lost uh, 2-1 in overtime, but uh, I think that it's still a pretty strong team if uh, Kopitar can start scoring. Like, he does everything so great, right? But it's unusual that he's stuck at six goals and projected only to score eight on the season. But here's a team that's got a pretty easy schedule, too, uh, in the last uh, month and uh, two weeks or something. So um, because of just how that that DNA is, uh, I would always be wary of them. Uh, I certainly wouldn't want to play them in playoffs because, like I said, on Tuesday when I watched them, man, they've got a lot of good parts and they do a lot of things right. But the thing is with Jerome, when I kind of think about it, I was – He doesn't have a lot left. Everybody knows that. He's still a great shooter, though. But I wonder if he gets a little bit rejuvenated, kind of like Vinny uh, LeCavalier last year. Like, LeCavalier was a worse skater than Jerome by miles, and yet he went there and in the last little bit had a little bit bit of success. Um, He he had none when he was in Philadelphia, but he went to L.A. and right situation is okay. So... I guess I'm I'm giving Jerome the benefit of the doubt, and like most people, 
I'm cheering for him because he's such a nice person. Kelly Rudy joining us inside sports on 630 Ched. The Edmonton Oilers were quiet. They made a, a minor league deal to get Justin Fontaine and uh, David DeHarnay on Tuesday night while they were playing the St. Louis Blues, acquired for Montreal for defenseman Brandon Davidson. Uh, I mean, I know I think uh, I'm not going to speak for every fan, but I think if I had to pick a consensus, a lot of people are like, okay, wait and see. I, I know a couple callers, well, a couple, a few people are like, well, you know, he doesn't seem like a Shirelli-type guy because he is, you know, obviously small, one of the smallest players in the league. But, you know, Shirelli says he's competitive and will try to play over top of the puck. And, uh, you know, third line to Kelly, so there won't be... The expectation isn't that he's going to have to produce a lot of points. Yeah, I would agree. And in the right uh, circumstance, he can be a good player again. I mean... He's had some good seasons, and so for me, uh, I like the trade. I like the depth. Uh, I understand he was quite hurt uh, leaving Montreal, so I, I expect that he's going to be fairly motivated. Not that uh, that's how you want a motivated guy, but certainly uh, he wants to prove that he's still a good player and, and uh, how he's played this year isn't uh, what he's got left. Kelly, I want to touch on uh, something else with you as well. You're a former Los Angeles King. You had a lot of success there. Bob Miller, who I've had the pleasure of interviewing several times, uh, long time play-by-play announcer for the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, I mean, since the beginning, pretty much. Uh, uh, Almost since the beginning. I mean, he's going to retire at the end of the season. He's going to do a couple games uh, in April and call it a career. He has he has had some uh, health uh, issues over the last couple of years, but um, you know, the, I think the team broadcasters, especially the guys who travel with the team, form a bit of a relationship with the players. Still professional, but you get to know each other a little better. Just when you, when you hear the name Bob Miller, what do you think of? A guy that uh, left an incredible mark on the game of hockey in Southern California. Uh, I think his uh, voice and his name is synonymous with hockey and hockey broadcasts. He he was really, I think, instrumental in adding some credibility. There are two peas in a pod in a sense that here these guys have been doing it forever. They're a little bit older now. Bob, uh, I believe, is 78 years old, so he's had a really good run, as you said, basically from the beginning. Um, He's in his 44th season calling Kings games, so it tells you how long he's been there. They just celebrated their 50th anniversary as a franchise. So um, I really think of the hard work he put in. Uh, He did a lot of community service. He was uh, fantastic in working with Jim Fox, growing the game. Uh, Rarely. Did he ever have anything bad to say about a home team player? Uh, even if some of us might have had a pretty poor night, he uh, he would rarely ever say anything. So I think he did his uh, job in, in uh, promoting the team as well and, and making sure that within the community they're well-respected. He, uh, boy, I mean, it, it's not the ideal way to go out when you have health issues. Like he had the... Uh, um, heart surgery, I believe it was last year, and then, well, as luck would have it, bad luck. When we were in L.A. Uh, just about a month uh, or a month ago, I believe, for the All-Star game, he had a, a bit of a stroke there. So I guess the signs were all telling that it's time to go. But, yeah, he will. he's legendary. He will be – there will be a statue or something outside the uh, Staples Center. That's the sort of – that's what he deserves. And, yeah, love the guy. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's been very classy to deal with and always uh, entertaining and informative when, whenever you talk to him. And how could he possibly have ever had anything bad to say about you? You never had an off night. <laughs> well, I think that there, there might have been some pretty good games uh, in there, but mixed in were quite a few of the, uh, the so-called dogs, so... Yeah, I, I've always admired Bob for the way in which he he and Jim Fox really Bob or Nick Nixon as well, uh, Daryl Evans. That is one of the stronger broadcasts uh, uh, groups out there. I know most people might not think of that, but boy, those guys are extremely dedicated, and uh, I have the utmost respect for everybody out there and in, in how they promote the Kings. All right, Kelly, one more for you. The Oilers pushing towards the playoffs here. Eighteen games left. 13 of them at home, including an eight-game homestand. Pros and cons of being at home for that long. Right. That's the that's the one thing. I, I certainly like homestands, but, uh, and when the team's been playing extremely well, you look at the schedule, and as long as you don't become complacent, uh, and for whatever reason, it, it can slip in there. Um, but I just, I've been talking all season long about this uh, Oilers team, and I just find them to be different. I, I, they are, they're the real deal. Um, you'll always have the odd hiccup, but I just think that this, this team and the makeup is different than in the previous years. I think they'll be just fine with, uh, with a, a number of home games. Starts Saturday against the Detroit Red Wings. That's going to be fun. Kelly, we'll catch up again next week. Uh, the Flames uh, playing really well lately, too. So uh, they're trying the heels of the Ducks and the Oilers. Pacific yep. Division is going to be fun down the stretch. You got that right. Who would have thought, right, that both Edmonton and Calgary would be having excellent seasons and making this uh, division super exciting again? Yeah, it's going to be great. Kelly, thanks for checking in. Kelly Rudy with the NHL on Rogers, former goaltender with the Islanders, Kings, and Sharks, joins us every week here on Inside Sports. And I'll get to some text messages when we get back. Some texts about Jimmy Kimmel, about Jay Onright, and about the prognosis for the Oilers as they move closer and closer to clinching a playoff spot. It's Inside Sports on 630 This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. Ryan Ellis leaving the ice for the Nashville Predators with an injury. We'll see how that shakes down for them. They're still up 1-0 on the Canadians eight minutes into the second period. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Oilers back at practice today. David DeHarnay on the ice. Get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Our open line is 780-496-0063. You can text 630 uh, Kellen and I were talking about the uh, faux feud between Matt Damon and Jimmy Kimmel. Mm. And I, I actually don't watch uh, Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, I just see stuff occasionally online. Apparently, Matt Damon has hosted Kimmel's show before. Ah, there we go. You suggested so, that as a possibility. I don't watch go. a late-night uh, TV anymore. When I, it's Certainly in the uh, 90s, I was a big Letterman guy and would still watch him occasionally. Really like David Letterman. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. <laughs> Did he ever have any wrestlers on the show? Oh, yeah, a few times for sure. <laughs> I mean, Hulk Hogan's got to have been guest, or a guest of Letterman's like more than a few times and that stuff. I mean, like, well, Hulk Hogan and Jay Leno had that, uh, the feud over 15 years ago that ended up at a match at uh, the Sturgis Spike Week, of all places. I don't what well, The what? Yeah, the, the, okay, so Sturgis off the court of the Bike Week. Or less. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And then, yeah, so Hulk Hogan 
and uh, I think his partner was Eric Bischoff, who was the president of WCW. They built an angle where they invaded the Tonight Show and took over the Tonight Show for a night and that stuff. And then Jay Leno was like, that's it. So him, Kevin Eubanks, and Diamond Dallas Page took on uh, Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. This is back in like 1998 or something like that. Classic. Yeah. Well, obscure, obviously, if you didn't know about it, but there you go. <laughs> Regarding uh, Jay Onright's now postponed appearance on Inside Sports, one texter says, tease, 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 are we married? Well, not yet, unnamed texter. And another texter says, Jay Onright is annoying. I switch channels when he's on TV. Can't see how anybody finds him interesting. He is really annoying. Well, you've got four years without him. Well, maybe try him again when he gets back. There you go. But hey, that's that's the nature of the type of job uh, Jay does. You, nobody is going to be for everybody. The consensus of people that I've talked to say that they are excited, over the moon, can't wait to well, see what they bring. Obviously, you know. he's very popular. That's why they were able to go to the States and, and, and now come back. But of course, everybody, no matter how popular you are, you always will have your detractors or people who just don't get it. Absolutely. That, that's yep. fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. All right, uh, Mike from downtown says the Oilers look to finish the season with around 96 points. How far do you think the Oilers will make it through the playoffs, assuming they keep playing like they have since the All-Star break, which is 500 hockey? That is Mike from downtown. Wow, he's really asking for a prognostication there. Look, uh, they went 500 in February. If and when they make the playoffs, they won't be playing three-quarters of their games on the road, first of all. Um so, look, here, here's the thing with the Oilers in the playoffs. I, quite frankly, think they have a chance against anybody. I think they have a chance against anybody. They will have a better chance against some teams. I, I, if, quite frankly, if, uh, if the Oilers played the Calgary Flames, now we'll see what happens over the next six weeks until we get there, I, w- I, I would favor the Oilers. Quite frankly, everybody, I would favor the Oilers over the Anaheim Ducks. But we've seen the Oilers for three quarters of a year, and I think we kind of get what this team is. When they struggle, they don't get secondary scoring and or they start games poorly and don't play with the requisite energy off the top and fall behind. To me, those are the two Oilers' biggest weaknesses. If those weaknesses bite them in the playoffs, it won't matter who or where they were are playing. They're going to be in tough. In tough. All right. We'll talk a little bit about the Pacific. Speaking of postponing appearances, Pat Steinberg was supposed to be on last night. I think he fell asleep. He'll be on tonight. We'll talk a little uh, footy. Two members of FC Edmonton are going to be in studio. They're getting ready to launch their season. We'll find out why they're going to England. What's going on with their season seats? Apparently they're way up from next last year. You can keep texting 630-630. I'll run through your scores as well. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.